Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host, Madeline Moon, and we're here today to talk with Shane Hubbard. Shane is a personal trainer out of Bakersfield, California. He has been studying nutrition and fitness for 10 years. He is certified through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and some of his more notable mentors are Matt Stone, Paul Check, John Goodman, John Berardi, and J.P. Sears. Through the years and many different diets later, Shane has come full circle in his opinion on diet, nutrition, and all other facets pertaining to what is healthy. Aside from training around the clock, Shane is also a health blogger where he explores more than just the physical aspects of health, including mental and emotional health, as well as practical means for helping people recharge their metabolism. Shane reached out to me uh, kind of a while ago and told me a little bit about his background and I resonated with it so much because he is a guy who's not afraid to talk about his body image issues and food issues and the confusion of this crazy world we called fitness. And he also has one of the same mentors as me, Matt Stone, who I greatly love. He is an amazing person. And just knowing that he's soaking up, you know, the smart wisdom from Matt Stone, just let me know he has a lot of good insight and things to share with us. So I had him on the show, and in the show, as you will see, he rocks it. He just goes on, he tells a story, he gives us so much insight on the many different experiences he has had in his life, um, from very emotional experiences to eye-opening ones, spirituality, um, and just how he recovered from his own body image and, and negative theories on what it means to be healthy and how he broke through all of that through the dogmatic chains of the health and dieting industry and found his own way and I love it. So before we head on over and you can hear everything Shane has to say, quick few announcements. First of all, the review of the week. This is from Clea Mahoney and she gives us five stars and says fun and informative. I like Maddie's podcast. It's a refreshing change of pace from the overly styled uh, stylized, overly pandering podcasts that are all too common in the food and fitness realm. Maddie shares interesting life anecdotes and has some smart guests on her show. I can't say I agree with everything I've ever heard, but I appreciate the broad variety of topics and opinions. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I think that um, it's cool that you can still listen to it even though you don't agree with everything, and I, I appreciate that because even I don't always agree with all the stuff that I hear on here sometimes, but I appreciate too listening to different people's point of views and opinions and insights. As long as they're non-judgmental, I be non-judgmental, you know? And that's how you are, I can tell. So thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, next up, I would like to thank the patron of the week, and that goes to Joanna Weiss, and she is an amazing person that I've had the pleasure of talking with. Uh, in a coaching session, so thank you so much, Joanna, for um, giving to the podcast. I mean, you that was so thoughtful of you, and you're helping me to continue keeping up with this show. So thank you for becoming a patron. Um, also, be sure to join the Mind Body Musings Facebook group, the MBM Tribe. If you just looked it up on Facebook, you can join, and then I will approve you. This podcast is brought to you by the free video training series, Stop Fighting Food. This video series is for women who feel depleted and frustrated by countless weight loss attempts and generally feel trapped in the diet binge cycle from hell. 
If you identify as an emotional eater and feel out of control in your behavior around food to the point where you find yourself face down into a jar of Nutella, you absolutely have to check out her free video series. Don't let poor body image or disordered eating guilt keep you from enjoying life's simple pleasures anymore. This video is life-changing. This course is life-changing. Stop Fighting Food has helped hundreds of women to finally reclaim their lives, figure out their passion and their purpose in this world by no longer having the binge eating disorder that has been controlling them for so many years. Now remember this, uh, the video training series is only open for two more days and the actual course, Stop Fighting Food, is only open to join for two more days. So make sure you sign up for that. I have the link to this on the show notes at mattymoon.com slash mbm69. So make sure that you go there if you want to check out the series. Really, as long as you just sign up for it, having those videos in your brain bank, I promise it'll help you launch forward in your journey. Um, so I think that is a good amount for an intro. Let's go head on over the show and see what Shane has to say. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. The show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. So why don't you just go ahead and dive into your background? Because in your bio, you know, you say that you go full circle in your opinion on diet, nutrition, and what it means to be healthy, which I think is awesome because so many of us do that and have this resistance to sharing with the world what our new views are because what are they going to think about it? You know, who's going to judge me for changing my views? But you're out there and you're telling everyone that you do have a different point of view now. So let's go back into your background and how you got interested in fitness and health and all that fun stuff. Okay, perfect. So uh, when I was about 16, uh, I finished playing high school baseball. I literally quit because it was just wasn't fun anymore. And I was really good at it and it was a hard time and I was kind of going through a transitional phase because that had been my identity for so long. Uh, Baseball had been in my family for two generations. So I was now coming into kind of a new phase of my life and my grandfather was very, very into fitness and nutrition and almost too much. He ended up dying of Alzheimer's, which I can go into at some other point, but he got me really into health and fitness and first on the bodybuilding end because I think he knew that was what was going to identify most with me. Uh, as a young male, I'm you know, 16 years old. Muscles are everything uh, for the most part. So um, I started there and I qu- very quickly into that, that world, I started feeling unsatisfied. I really didn't feel like it was, I feel like it was a good start, but I wasn't satisfied with the limited amount of information. You know, when you go on to a bodybuilding website, uh, most of them, 
are there's these very strict regimens and you know you have to eat tuna and you can't have mayonnaise because of the fat and you know all these like limitations and I didn't come from that background so I didn't really understand that so very quickly I got bored of that so I went and found something else and that's basically been my tendency with with health and nutrition is I get bored with something because it hasn't quite gotten me to the that moment like aha I found it uh, and so I just kept digging and so I went deeper and deeper and then I had this friend in high school who I got to know a lot better uh, after high school so I think it was freshman year of college and he introduced me to a guy named Paul Check. And if you're not familiar with Paul Check, he's one of the leading, uh, I guess, the, the the guru of the holistic lifestyle movement. So I went into that whole world, and I was fully immersed in you know this whole different world where it's not just about the calories; it's about the you know the quality of your food. And so I got into that. And um, to make a long story short, I became almost insane with the idea of what could be in my food, uh, what chemicals, all this different stuff. And so, uh, but I was still compelled by the message because the message taught, you know, uh, it, it was kind of a full body, it was a whole approach to health. It wasn't just what you eat and how you move, but it was how you think, your emotions, you know, the spiritual side. So I got really into that. Uh, so what I ended up doing is, is I did more research on him and I, I at the time I was studying nutrition in college. Uh, and uh, I I got on a show on a talk show or a, I think it was a, another podcast with and Paul Check was doing Q and A. So I asked him. I said, you know, I'm really frustrated with the nutrition world uh, that I'm learning in, in college. You know, what can I do? And he very you know politely said, you know, this is why nutrition being taught in colleges is you know all BS and whatnot. And I was like, okay. And so he says, you know, what I would recommend you doing is uh, you know picking up my book and learning from there. So I bought the book and I started learning more about him. I ended up taking his courses, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. Is it okay if I just share kind of like an emotional experience that I had at that seminar that I went to? Is oh that- yeah, please do. Okay, good. So. Um, I ended up going to the first level of his, he has an institute and he teaches holistic lifestyle coaching. And when I found out about this, I knew that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. It was like, it was so clear cut. And at, you know, I think it was about 18 at that time. At 18, there aren't a whole lot of things in your life that come to you that are that clear. And that was probably the most clear uh, guidance that I'd ever been given in my life. And it came within, you know, snap of a finger. It wasn't like this big, uh, you know, this big event, it was literally like, oh my God, I got to, this is what I have to do. So I looked into it, I invested money in it, and I took the first course and I absolutely fell in love. There was, it was taught by a guy named J.P. Sears, who was probably one of my biggest mentors because he's a very down-to-earth person, very open-minded person. Uh, he doesn't judge anyone. Basically, you come to him and you can, I've worked with him a little bit and uh, he's just a very cool guy and he, he's very on board with uh, just getting to know yourself and getting to know why it is that you do the things you do so that you can further do the research and identify that. So he's not somebody who's telling you what to do, but he's helping you know open you up. So I went to that course, absolutely loved it. Want, couldn't wait to get more, so I invested more and more money. I you know saved up my hard-earned money. I worked at a food manufacturing plant, and I, I barely made enough to save, but eventually I got enough money to save it, and my parents were willing to support me in that. So I went to that course. So I went to the second one, and the second one, a jump from one to two is literally like going from first to last. Like you go one, and then two is taught by Paul Check. And so I went to that, uh, that course and expecting you know, to learn how to teach people how to better their health. I mean, at the very root cause, I didn't care about diets. I didn't care about how I got people to – well, I mean, I cared about it in the sense that I wanted to do it in a healthy and respectful and a, and a, you know, a, like a healthy way, but I just didn't 
really, I wasn't concerned with all the specifics. I really wanted people to feel better, mostly because of the experience that I went through. And so I experienced what it means to go from unhealthy. I had very, very severe acting when I was a kid. And my mom actually took me to a, uh, I forget, it was a natural food doctor or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. But, and he told me that, you know, all, you know, he started telling my mom about this stuff. And of course, you know, I was like 13 at the time, so I didn't know anything about it. But, you know, he, he was the first one who told me, and you start eating more vegetables. And as a kid, I'm like, I don't want to eat vegetables. <laughs> like, you know, I like the cereal and all the, you know, the tasty good stuff. And so I actually, when I was that young, I used to make fun of my friend's mom for being a health nut. And, uh, and how, you know, because at, at that point in my life, I had viewed it as, just some kind of obsession, some kind of uh, like it's unnecessary until I actually got into it. So anyway, that was backtracking a little bit. But going forward, I, I got to this this course, and immediately in the course, you know, as we're we're sitting down, and the first thing we start talking about is you know backgrounds and understanding we have to have an open mind. And this is during the seminar, and then pretty soon, within maybe an hour for the next seven hours, he starts going into like religion and how we have to kind of erase our entire upbringing. I was raised uh, as a Christian. So that was kind of my, uh, it was kind of like, in my sense, the way I feel is that it immediately, uh, immediately erased everything that I had ever believed. And so I was going through a very, very traumatic experience at that time in the class, in, a, in an area where I wasn't supported by anyone around me. I was in San Diego, which I, there was no one around that I knew in San Diego. And, um, and I was literally sweating in my chair. I was shaking. Um, I had a, like a, almost like a traumatic, traumatic experience. And, uh, but I wouldn't leave because I was too afraid of, you know, public shame or people thinking, oh, you know, he can't take it. Uh, you know, what's wrong with him? You know, like that, you know, that public shame that we all kind of go through sometimes when we were afraid of what other people might think. So, uh, that night I ended up, I was stay, I stood up all night and not, because I wanted to, because I couldn't sleep. My mind was going a million miles an hour. I was basically being de-brainwashed, or I guess the opposite of brainwashed. Uh, <laughs> kind of deprogrammed, I guess, is a better word for it. Uh, that's what it felt like, anyway. Like, uh, everything that I'd ever believed in and kind of um, been uh, taught was now being challenged to a very, you know, immediately. It wasn't like a progressive challenge. It was like everything that you have ever known is now uh, being challenge and it's probably and he was telling me basically that what I had believed in is false that you know I don't want to go into religion because that's not the topic but basically he was telling me uh, what I had what I had grown up believing and and what my parents had taught me who I high, uh, hold to a very high standard uh, was all false and it was obviously very traumatic so I was purging all night I had this very unreal experience kind of kind of a out-of-body experience um, I started noticing I had like a, a ring on one of my rib cages on the outside of my skin and I was trying to figure out what the heck that was. I had never seen it before. I thought maybe that it was ringworm because that's the only thing I could think of. Um, I later learned, I, I, was, I just did you know, self-research. I didn't really understand it. But I think what was happening was is, uh, it was some kind of parasite, some kind of you know, thing going that was in my system. But was, what was, besides the specifics, what was so interesting is that I was having this traumatic experience all by myself in a world that I thought was home. I thought it was my support. This is what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I got there and I realized that this was very different than what I thought it was. And it was very different than what it was advertised. None of this was ever talked about in the program whatsoever. And um, so I, I immediately, the next morning, I, I, I texted my dad because I said, Dad, I don't know what to do. I can't sleep. I'm scared. I don't have any support. I don't know who to reach out to. And 
he ended up texting me. It was like three in the morning, and uh, he was just saying, you know, calm down, everything's okay. You just you went through something that you that was very nerve wracking for you, and um, I said, yeah, I, you know, I don't know what to think or anything. So I, I got a little bit of sleep after you know feeling the relief of of being able to be in contact with somebody that was you know obviously it was my father, so someone who you know supported me and, and loved me and everything. Uh, so the next morning, I went right back into this like nonstop thinking and. And it was just, what does this all mean? What do I have to do now? Uh, what is what is my purpose now that I've been kind of just, this experience has kind of destroyed my perception on who this man is and what he's teaching and what this program is. Uh, so I made a decision that morning to just leave. Uh, it was about a $2,500 class. I had probably used up about maybe $500 because it was like a four or five day thing. And I, I told my dad, I said, look, I don't think there's anything else I'm going to get out of this and I can't stand being here anymore. I'm going to you know, have a nervous breakdown and, and something bad might happen. And I didn't know it was going to happen. So I just used precaution. And so um, having the flu and being very sick, I, I came home and I kind of rehabilitated and I had work on Monday morning. So I really didn't you know, it didn't really take me more than three days, but I, for about two weeks after that, I was living in a cloud of just complete uncertainty, and I really didn't know what to do. Um, and so I kind of meandered back into my life as just, you know, good old Shane living, you know, working for a, a, a company, nine-to-five job. Uh, I, was, I was very traumatized by that experience, um, but obviously not to focus too much on that specific thing. Fast forward two or three years, I started coming kind of another another full circle. So you, what you can kind of see here is there's always these patterns in, of, of hills and valleys. And I started getting into philosophy a lot more, a lot more uh, into this, uh, the spiritual side of things. And, and nothing crazy, you know, not like, you know, like you don't have to eat. You can just use the sun energy to, to nourish you. Not nothing like that, but just trying to find myself and really trying to find who I really was because I, f- I felt like what I was acting out as a person was something that I was taught to do when I was younger. And I'll give you a little example about that in a minute, but let me kind of finish where I was going. So uh, I ended up coming full circle and, and realizing that the experience that I went through at the Czech uh, seminar was absolutely necessary for me. At the time, I was, I was bitter. I was hateful towards him for lying to me, to being, um, to being some kind of person who kind of acted one way in, in the public eye and then acted a different way in the, the private eye. Um, but what I realized was is that I absolutely needed that experience because what I was going to continue doing had I not gone through that um, was just a kind of mediocre lifestyle because I was so bogged down by other people's opinions, uh, by other people's beliefs. I was living a, a life that really was it was really somebody else's or the uh, fragments of everyone else's life. I wasn't living me. I wasn't doing who you know Shane Hubbard is, and so. That's what I really got out of that experience. And to come back to how that affects health and, and nutrition and, and you know, disordered eating and, and the way that people feel about uh, themselves when they're told what to eat and what's healthy. And um, I, what, I, the, the couple things that I actually wrote down after that experience, I kind of had like a, another out-of-body experience where I just was going off on all these different notes. And one of the things that I realized for me, because kind of to backtrack again, when I was going through the bodybuilding uh, part of my nutrition experience, I was very much in a disordered eating mindset because I was being told what to eat and what not to eat. And the, at the time, I didn't really realize that, that that was a bad thing. I was so uneducated on what health really was that I just trusted whoever was 
you know, seemed to, you know, if someone had a nice body, I figured, okay, I'll trust them because, you know, why would, you know, even if they're lying about this food, if they eat it and they look like that, then, you know, if you do the math, you're pretty much, you, you know, at least I did, I pretty much thought, okay, that's what I'll look like. And I had this kind of image. And before this, before this bodybuilding experience or this bodybuilding, you know, lifestyle that I kind of got into, uh, I really didn't notice body image much. When I was younger, I really liked this girl. Uh, and, I was probably like eight years old, so you know how that goes. But I was talking to her best friend, and I told her that I liked her friend. And you know, she ended up telling me uh, that she thought that I was fat. And so at the time, I I didn't really know what that meant. I know I didn't internalize it as much as I might do, you know, in the future, like in high school and stuff like that. So, but I did I did know that in a general sense that wasn't looked upon. You know, being fat in our society isn't looked on as you know attractive or whatever you might want to call it. So. I did have a kind of an insecurity there, and I was eight years old, so trying to deal with that as an eight-year-old is a lot to deal with, even though I didn't fully understand what that meant. Um, and then when I was in high school, I had a couple of different relationships where immediately after the relationship ended with that person, they went and they found somebody who had a better body than I did. So instead of, you know, in, but the, the thing was is that when I asked them, they never would tell me straight to my face and whether that remains true or not about um, them wanting someone who had a better body, I immediately took that personally and said, if I want to get what I want, I have to look this way. And so what I ended up realizing years down the road and after the, the experience at the Paul Check seminar, uh, I realized that all disordered eating comes from a place of pain. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place of insecurity, I think, is kind of a, a weak word for it. I think, a, I think there's a better word for it. It's not, it's not really at the top of my tongue right now or the tip of my tongue. But I think that it all comes from a, a place of maybe trauma, uh, some kind of pain, some kind of feeling that you're not being who you are. And so what you're doing by trying to appeal uh, physically to the outside world is becoming or looking like the outside world or looking like the way society wants to promote and wants to, you know, is saying this is what's beautiful. And I think the worst thing that anyone can do in a society, especially in, in media, because media is so influential because of the psychology behind wanting to be part of a group. I mean, if being part of society is ingrained in human beings, we want to be a part of something. We want to be a part of something bigger than us. We also want to be part of a group. And so when the group's leading mentality is half, if half the time, if not most of the time, uh, it's degrading us or at least trying to define everyone into this very small filter of this is what you should look like, this is what you know, perfume you should wear, this is the color hair you should have, all these different things. What that tells somebody who doesn't automatically fit that mold is they're not good enough for that group. And so then in, in that way they don't fit in. So what we have now is we have a society where the majority of us get, get influenced by mass media and that's anything on the news, that's anything the Kardashians are doing, that's anything that you see famous people that a lot of younger girls and a longer men, you know, with men at least, uh, when it comes to bodybuilding and that pers uh, that lifestyle, we look up to guys that, you know, are ripped and they have nice bodies because we think, okay, that's what women want, right? Instead of realizing that we're a whole person and there's more to us than just what we look like on the outside. And so one of the one of the things that I feel is, is lacking, and, and this, this is actually kind of interesting why I originally uh, reached out to you and all these other mentors that I've, I've kind of sought after is because they're the people that are saying you're fine the way you are. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with who you are. Now, being healthy, yes, you want to be healthy. You want to be happy. You want to 
you know, avoid being depressed all the time. You want to feel good. You want to have energy. There's nothing wrong with that. But the embodiment of that isn't a six-pack, and it isn't, you know, 6% body fat. You don't have to have these outrageous, you know, bodies that look, you know, like people have been chiseled with a, you know, uh, or, or painted or any, anything like that. You can be healthy without having to look like, you know, uh, a supermodel or anything like that. So I think that's the biggest misconception is that people think, oh, those people are healthy. And instead of realizing that, you know, if you really look at, there's, I think there's a documentary on Netflix. I'm not 100% sure, but I was watching a documentary the other day that basically showed what the um, body competitors or the, yeah, the figure competitors go, go through. And, and if you watch it with the kind of background that I have, you go, how is that healthy at all? And, and how does that lifestyle emanate health at all? And, and do these people really realize? And the problem is nobody gets to see that. They just see the finished product. You know, nobody, it's like nobody gets to see what goes into an iPhone. They just have an iPhone. So if you understand what it takes to, to be a figure competitor, you'll realize that it has absolutely nothing to do with health. I mean, yes, they are, most of the time they're eating what you would consider, you know, healthy foods, they're eating whole foods, you know, but there's a lot of other things that go into it, like cycling and, and, and lower calories for long periods of time that's wrecking their metabolisms. That's, you know, a lot of them can uh, suffer de- from depression during these periods of time. And so why, in my opinion, why would anyone do that for what, an hour on stage to win an award that basically tells the world that you have a low percentage of body fat. I mean, that's great if that's you know that's that's a dream of yours. You can do that, but in terms of the long you know the long term, the long haul, that's really not going to do you a whole lot of good to to be thinking in that mindset. And that's my biggest goal as a as somebody who's associated with health and who promotes healthy lifestyles is understanding that there's a big misconception by, of what we perceive and what actually goes on. Uh, and bridging that gap, I think, is the, big, is the most important thing. This is obviously my opinion, but it's the most important thing. And bringing people to the awareness and the conscious level of, of realizing what they see on TV isn't 100% or even close to it of, of what the lifestyle of a healthy person actually is. And I had to learn that the hard way as well. I mean, I used to think, oh, that person has a six-pack. I should go talk to them and ask what they do. And I've actually done this. As a personal trainer, I, I, I'm a personal trainer. I've been one for about three years now. But I've been studying and, and obviously living this lifestyle for about 10, because I'm 25, so yeah, 10 years. Um, so I go up to people and I ask them, and they all tell me the same thing. Oh, yeah, I eat chicken breast and broccoli and rice. And, you know, I don't eat carbs on this day. And, you know, in the morning I do fasted cardio. And, you know, I, I don't have, you know, potatoes at night because that spikes insulin. And I'm just like, okay, is anyone here doing something different? And so what I've realized is, is that, yeah, you can follow that formula if you want to do these certain things. But what those people don't tell you when you ask them is all the other stuff that goes into it. Um, personally, from personal experience, I know that when I went on a low-fat diet, uh, my brain was just like, completely crap. And and then when I went on a low carb diet, my energy levels were crap. And people ask me, why are you always depressed? And you know, why are you have a negative outlook on life? And I would always tell them the same thing, you know, oh I'm just it's just, you know, I'm okay. I'm just tired. You know, I'm 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 fine. And and what I was really doing is hiding the fact that I was trying to certain and, and the most important thing I think that people really need to realize is that by if you are living this lifestyle and you have gone through that, it's not you shouldn't shame yourself for doing it. 
you you did go down the hard path of trying to realize, but you will come out on the other end and realize what the truth is, uh, just by going down and trying to figure out, uh, you know, what it is. Because there's a, definitely a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose to what you're doing. And just because you didn't succeed the first couple times, like I did, you know, I've I've done every diet under the sun. There was a period during Thanksgiving where all I ate was meat, and I was just doing it basically to expand my knowledge. At that point, I was experimenting, and yeah, I wasn't planning on doing it long term, but I wanted to see what happened. I was being my own scientist. I didn't care what the study by Harvard said. I wanted to know what it, how it felt like for me because that's better evidence, in my opinion, because we're all different than we know what some study says you know, in some laboratory somewhere where there's not a lot of variables going on. So uh, understand that it's not it, – don't take it personally that you are having these struggles. Uh, what, what you should focus on instead, and, and this is the beautiful part about life, is that there's a, a positive and a negative. And we have the choice to choose one or the other. And so if you make the choice to focus on the positive side of things and know that on the other end of the, the this, you know, whatever you're going through, on the other end is something much, much better, even though if it sucks right now. Uh, if you try to focus on that and keep that at the forefront of your mind when you're going through hard times, you'll get to the other side and you'll learn so much that you'll, you'll actually get to help people very much like Maddie has. You know, all these people that have gone through very hard times and gone through the truth of things uh, end up being able to help so many more people in the long run. So you can, you can too do that if you're in a tough position right now and you're not really sure what you're supposed to do. Just keep going. That's really the, the biggest m message I can give anyone other than understanding it's not your fault. It's not, you know, society perpetuates this idea and we're bombarded with it. You know, I actually don't have cable anymore because I'm so sick and tired of all of the, you know, all the fallacy that comes in through the media. And after not having it for three weeks, there's, there's a, we have cable at my gym. So every now and then when I'm training somebody, I'll see something on news and being away from it for so long, you, now I watch the news and I go, what the heck is that? That is such BS. Like, why would anyone listen to this? But it's because we're, we're consistently being bombarded with it. But, and so it becomes our reality. So when you step outside of that reality, you start going, oh my gosh, I don't have to listen to this. This isn't necessarily the truth. And these people are just, you know, spewing, you know, garbage. And twice a week I'll see something on the news that says that, you know, new low carb diets are 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 in. Like they've been in for, I don't know, ten years now. And oh, new study shows, you know, low carb blah blah blah, you know, whatever. Whatever they want to talk about. And then, you know, there's another something else that pops up. And you know, there's a there's a documentary on Netflix called Fed Up, and it's basically talking about obesity in in America. And I was watching it for a really long time, and it kind of coincides with the whole you know sugar is uh, the devil, and you should stay away from it. And then uh, on on the other side of that coin, there's a documentary or a lecture series by Robert Lustig called uh, Sugar: The Bitter Truth, or something of that along those lines. And uh, I've watched that about six or seven times. And if you haven't ever watched it. I would watch it once, but I'll explain to you basically what his message is. Um, he goes along the lines of saying, you know, why aren't certain cultures bigger than others? It's because they don't eat sugar. They don't eat sugar. They don't eat sugar. They don't eat sugar. So they keep, he keeps going through the whole lecture saying they don't eat sugar. But at the very end of the lecture, which is the most important part, especially if you've been watching the whole thing, what he really, really boils it down to is that you shouldn't have soda and that you shouldn't drink fruit juice and then I think there was another thing, but I don't remember what it was. But <laughs> he says at the beginning it's sugar. And, and then he says, well, everything converts to sugar in your body. And then he says, oh, okay, well, you know, glucose is okay. You know, you can have glucose. You can have your pastas, your grains, you can have your oatmeal, you can have your rice, whatever. 
Oh, and, you, and by the way, you can also have fruit. You just can't have fruct high fructose corn syrup. And so it's this kind of, when you're initially watching it, you're thinking, oh, I shouldn't eat sugar, so I shouldn't have carbs. And most people walk away with that idea. And they go, okay, I'll just cut out carbohydrates because that's the message he's selling. But then because he has to be you know, scientific about it and he has to have proof, he kind of slowly gives you evidence that what he's talking about really just boils down to try to avoid soda, which for most, most of the time I would recommend. Uh, you know, having a soda every now and then, I'm not going to knock anyone that, but there's a lot of you know, having soda every day, two or three cans, which some of my clients do experience. And I, I, know I try to tell them, I say, you know, it, it, that can be dangerous in the long run. Um, but you know, most of the time, uh, most most people aren't having that problem. So that's just picking apart that lecture really shows me that there's a there's a push towards trying to convince people, you know, through I, I don't know if I'd call it manipulation, but I think I would call it strategic planning and strategic information release, something like that. Where you know at the very end he actually gives you what you know what he's talking about, but along the lines he's trying to get plant the idea in your head that carbohydrates are bad, and I think that. Because we're, e we're dealing with people that have to be strategic about how they tell us, they're really trying to promote you know, a certain way of, of eating. And I don't know what the reason is. I don't really care. Uh, all I know is, is that it's disordered and it doesn't, go, it doesn't get to the root of the, the problem at all. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've been in the last, <laughs> last couple years in my life. So. Whoa. I'm on the verge of being speechless. That was <laughs> incredible. I don't even think I need to be here. Can you just keep going? Because, um, yeah, that was I, – I feel like I was on the verge of my chair the whole time. I was just like, where are you going to go next? Where are you going to go next? Um, See, I told you I rant a little bit, so I appreciate that you actually enjoy it. <laughs> I, that was awesome. And what I noticed is you – you're very, very uh, clear about what you want to say, even when you're rolling with it. So for me, a lot of times when I start talking and my brain is scattered all over the place, I throw in a lot of likes, which is something I'm working on right now. But I'll say like a lot. And I don't know if it's a Southern thing or just, you know, a girl thing or an everybody thing. But I do that. And you don't ever do that. And it's just the way you talk is so concise and clear. So thank you for that. Um. Just so you know, really quickly, I used to do that all the time. And the, the reason why I don't do it anymore is mostly because this story has been in my head for three years now. So the likes just disappear with more information. Mm. But it, don't worry. It, it's definitely something I had to work on because I used to say, um, I used to say like. But when you're really passionate about what you're talking about and your, your story is clear and concise, uh, you nail it on the head every time. So if that's something that you, 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 you're still trying to work on, you'll you know, definitely get there, especially you know, as you work more and more towards uh, getting the idea out there yes yes i think that i'm way better when i'm being interviewed when i'm mm. on other people's show i just you know i can you know it all spills out the way i want it to but when i'm talking on my own podcast i get I guess i get like nerves or something <laughs> um but anyways i want to go all the way back to the check real quickly i don't sure. necessarily have questions about it because i want to ask more about some body image stuff but i do want to say that you leaving that course after one day shows such a strong uh, character and integrity. And even though it, you were shaken up, I know so many people would have stayed there, even if it was against um, their beliefs or against the way it made them feel. They didn't. They weren't in, in tune with their body enough to know that it was really uncomfortable. And maybe they tricked their minds into thinking it's worth it because of the money you put into it. So I think that's really incredible that you just left because you knew it wasn't 
what you needed at that moment, even though you took away very valuable information from it later on and it could help you just create your beliefs. It still, it, that's really cool to hear that you did that and you just knew enough about uh, your body and your mind-body connection that it wasn't feeling very good and just leaving. Well, to kind of touch on that again, uh, what's, what was interesting about that is throughout my life, and you know, it's funny because when I talked to my, when I was talking about um, earlier about you know being a, a child who kind of had a, a deep, well, actually, no, I didn't talk about this, so let me I'll backtrack even more. Um, being a my growing up, my father told me that I was very in tune with who I am, and most of that came from, it, most of that was shown in. Uh, being insecure and I don't really understand maybe how that was or what the diagnoses of, of all that was but I was always very um, aware of things and I had this very deep connection with uh, just with more than just words and more than just tone of voice but kind of like how I felt and how things radiated or how things kind of spoke to me internally and um, that's mostly where my fear of failure and, and fear of not commitment, but not being ready for something, uh, the, you know, right away. And so when I grew up, I had, uh, I was depressed most of my high school years and it had nothing to do, you know, looking back on it, it had nothing to do with me not being, um, better, you know, like suitable, suitable, but I never really fit in with society. I was raised, uh, I was homeschooled as a kid, so up until ninth grade. So that's most of my childhood. I was raised in a home where my I was around my parents all the time. So I had a very mature perspective because I was around adults all the time. So as soon as I jumped into high school, I was the kind of kid who had everything ready before you know the first day of school. Um, I had the right pencils. I was very particular and I was prepared because I, my father is a very you know not. Um, He's not strict, but he's very, he likes to plan things and he likes to be very ready for things. And that just comes from his own lifestyle and how he grew up. But I learned that indirectly from him. And going into high school and having this mature attitude, I actually started a group uh, when I was in high school. And this is another sense of bravery that I had. That Do you mind if I go on that really quick? Oh, Talk yeah, about for that? sure. Okay, okay. Because I know this isn't all about health, so I don't want to be right. self-centered, you know. Uh, but I started a, uh, uh, a campaign or a group in high school when I was a... It was a junior uh, called Clean with Pride, and basically what I had noticed in my my immediate school uh, was all these people that were turning to drugs, and I didn't really understand why, but I knew that drugs were bad, you know, and and so I started this kind of support group. I tried to do something, and I got little wristbands. I went online, did a bunch of research. I'm 15 years old, and I'm you know I'm trying to figure out how to help people and do all these different things, and so I got these wristbands, and it just said CWP on them. And it stood for Clean with Pride. A lot of people thought it starts, they were making fun of it. Of course, everyone likes to make fun of something that is good in nature because it's not cool, especially in high school. So I made all these bands and I actually, I actually pissed somebody off so much that they came to my house and they pitchforked my lawn, or not pitchforked, they forked my lawn and TP'd my house and all this different stuff. And they wrote, you know, CWP and then they wrote some kind of profanity. I won't say what it is, but basically it was my, it was the first experience I ever had with what you would maybe categorize as a hate crime or hate, you know, being hateful towards somebody who's trying to do better uh, or some, some under another. So I always had this, I was always going against the grain and I was always trying to do things that made people feel supported and made people feel good about themselves. I, I felt like there was a lot of hurt in the world. And so I did that through high school. And so when I, you know, going back to what you had just mentioned, when I got to uh, to the, the Czech seminar. By then, I was at least attuned enough with my body to understand this isn't me going through an experience that I need to fully 
you know, go through. I, my body was talking to me in a way that I'd never felt before. And I considered that a warning because even, you know, it's funny because it kind of comes back on the whole Paul check, you know, what he teaches is that you need to listen to your body. So sure enough, that's what I did. And I left his course and I'm not sure if you'd be interested in that story particularly, but you know, when you learn that it's okay to listen to your body and not your mind all the time, because I mean, think about this. Uh, the human body has been, in our guts specifically, have been around for the, you know, the very beginning of time. That was what was here before our you know, fully developed brain. So that has, you know, in terms of experience, it's like trying to get wisdom from a, a seven-year-old versus getting wisdom from a 20-year-old. You're not, the, the information and the experience just isn't there from the 20-year-old, but the seven-year-old's got a whole life worth of information. So think of it in, in those kinds of terms where your body actually is going to be able to tell you so many more things about, it's going to have so much more biofeedback. And what we tend to do in today's society is we tend to think that our thoughts are what we should listen to 100% of the time. There's a great quote by... Um, What's his name? Eckhart Tolle. It says, if you want to have a fun spiritual experience or a spiritual practice, don't take your thoughts so seriously. And that was one of the biggest things, one of the most influential quotes I'd ever heard because I had identified with my thoughts so much that I thought that's who I truly was. But a lot of times in life, I'll go out and do something and my gut feeling is that I shouldn't do it. But my thoughts are like, you do it, you got to go through this experience, you know, what would people think if you didn't, you can't chicken out, you know, blah, 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 blah. And uh, so I feel like that's <laughs> being in tune that much just comes from the lifestyle or the, the, the course of my journey that I've been on so far. Yeah. And so many people just try to push away listening to their body because it is all about the mind, especially when it comes to disordered eating. Mm. What kind of tips or any kind of wisdom you can share with the men listening to this podcast? Because that's something I don't touch on enough in the show because mm -hmm. I it's all the same. Like we all have the same kind of struggles and insecurities when it comes to food and body image, but there are specific ones for females and, and males and especially bringing more awareness to men suffering from body image and eating disorders. What kind of wisdom would you share with someone that is suffering in silence about this? Not to be ashamed. I think that too many people are ashamed of the way they feel, especially when it comes to disorder. They're, they feel like what they're doing is wrong instead of realizing that, I mean, don't get me wrong, what they are, you know, disordered eating, you, you want to you know, escape from that. But it's not this feeling that there isn't other people out there that feel that way. I think the, the common misconception is that if somebody talks about this, their disordered eating, that it somehow turns into like a pity party and it's somebody just talking about, oh, you know, woe is me, you know, this is how I am. And um, a lot of people might perceive it that way, but if you speak to the, the right group, um, a lot, tons of people are supportive of that. And I think that the most important thing you can do, and I know it's very, very hard, trust me, when I went through it, being able to be vocal and because it does, if people don't know about it already, it does somehow in some people's mind affect the way they think about you, but that shouldn't matter to you at all because the only person you, you should really be focused on during this is how you're going to make yourself better. And and just, again, not being afraid to share your story, even if it's just uh, – I listened to a great podcast this morning that was talking about um, people and, and having to be brave and, and talking about you know, their personal struggles, whatever it might be. It could be disordered eating. It could be a traumatic experience you had when you were a child. Um, it could be anything. But the most important thing you should do is not internalize it. Internalizing actually uh, 
promotes that same thing from happening again and again and again. What you should do instead, even if it's just writing it down by hand and creating kind of like almost like a journal type of thing and just being able to get it out on paper because what that allows you to do is then now instead of internalizing it and speaking, you know, because when people internalize things, they talk about it with their, their saboteurs or what I like to call saboteurs, which are these different personalities in people's heads that have a different uh, opinion on the thoughts you have. So it's kind of like a council. You have a thought and then, you know, you have one person telling you the good side. You have one person the bad, the one what might people think, um, the one what your father might think, your mother might think, or whatever your mentor was. And so when you get that out on paper, you now have that as, you know, in front of you and you're looking at it. So that adds one thing. You wrote it down. That adds another, you know, therapeutic uh, mode of, of, of trying to, like, you know, explain it all. And the other thing is, is your head is very, it's not a very good storage to system uh, for things that you're dealing with emotionally. And being able to kind of get it out on paper or get it out on a computer or whatever it is might, it might be is very therapeutic. And it lets you see your thoughts in all at once in real time instead of having to piece things together in your mind. And that, for me at least, when I went through that experience, um, I didn't actually have any advice towards that. I really just started writing. I was a writer just by chance. I mean, all these things kind of came into place, but I just was a writer. Um, I ended up writing a, a book about my, not disordered eating, but my lifestyle and my depression when I was 17. And I, I, what I did was is I just wrote it all on my computer and then I had it published privately and I read it and it was probably the biggest emotional experience I've had in, in, that I can remember other than maybe the, the Paul Check experience because it was in front of me. I was able to see it. It was like I was reading someone's life story and what we tend to do is we tend to be too critical of our, ourselves. But what we're really doing is freeing ourselves from that, that cage of, of feeling sh ashamed of you know, what we're going through currently. Mm, yeah, definitely. And, and my biggest question for you right now is in regards to personal training. Sure. This really blows my mind about you, that you can handle, I wouldn't say handle, but that you can use that atmosphere as a way to get your message out. But... In regards to me and my experiences, I had to really step away from reading about nutrition. You know, I was a health coach. That was my title. And I officially never call myself that anymore. And I call myself a life coach <laughs> because I'm the last person to tell someone how to eat. And I actually do the opposite. I help them to eat everything, you know, from disordered eating to eat learning to open up the gates to food again. So for you, how does it make you feel on a day to day basis going into that kind of atmosphere and people asking you questions like, well, I want to look like that, or how should I eat, and all these different various um, surface-level questions, like the way they want to look, and how do you change their mindset from how do I, how can I look this certain way to feeling a certain way, and really diving deeper into you know how it makes them feel to work out and move their body and eat good nutrition. Sure, I'm actually really glad you asked that because. Being a personal trainer, I'll give you a little bit of a background. I work for a company that basically sells personal training and then I'm a trainer. So I'm not selling my own individual service. So in a, to a certain extent, uh, because it's the only way I can make income right now and I don't plan on doing this forever, uh, but I have to, they sell a certain uh, image or a perception or an idea to these people and that's how they get them to buy. So I don't agree with that at all but because it, this is the situation I'm in right now, uh, what I end up doing is I, tr I try my best. In the beginning I actually did exactly what you said. I, I didn't give them any recommendations and I started getting complaints because people are saying, you know, I've been paying for personal training, you know, you said that there was going to be a diet plan and all this stuff and so uh, I really was struggling between do I want to keep my job and not potentially, you know, uh, 
run out of income to live you know out in the world or should I just kind of find a way to meet in the middle for now and then find another way to get out of this place because this is very against what I've what I've learned and what I've gone through so with clients that approach me what they're mostly looking for is structure and the reason they're looking for structure is because one they're uneducated as to what's you know what it is that they should be doing but I start very small now I start really small before I used to say oh you know you can you don't worry about carbs at night or you know don't you know don't focus on this. I, I actually inherited a lot of clients from a trainer who was very bodybuilding-esque about treating his clients. And I, you know, one of them told me that she couldn't have carbs after 5 p.m. And another one told me that she was taking all these supplements because it was going to help. And I was like, this guy is literally trying to make everyone a bodybuilder. He's not even, you know, being, uh, you, he's not even being unique with every different person's backgrounds and where they come from and, and their current situation, lifestyle and all that. So, what I've really had to do is it's, it's been difficult. I'm not always perfect about it because if I'm going to get complaints and I'm going to potentially lose my job because people don't know what's better for them, um, I kind of have to bite the bullet right now. But uh, mostly what I do is I, I give them something that they can kind of choose from. So there's like a long list of things they can eat. And I say, you know, pick one of these, you know, and have this. And, and don't worry about, you know, certain macronutrient profiles. But just try to focus on eating, you know, whole food instead of, you know, crackers. Because, I, you know, I do have clients that, you know, that, uh, that drink soda for dinner. You know, that's, that's all they have because they're like a nurse or something. And, they, you know, they have coffee for breakfast. And so just trying to get food back into these people is the first step. And then having them understand, you know, a little bit more about the relationship between them and food. Um, but what I've the un, the unfortunate side of this particular personal training aspect is that a lot of people just want to look a certain way, and they don't really know what it takes, and so they end up quitting or or not following through with it in the long run. And I try my best to steer them away from this very strict lifestyle of this is you know you have to look a certain way and that kind of stuff. But it goes very beyond. You know my my time. I, I got in trouble the other days just for going overtime for explaining someone, uh, you know, about you know the way I would teach coaching when it comes to you know being a life coach or something like that. Uh, and so it's I don't have a lot of support from the gym I currently work for, but in the long run, uh, that won't be an issue. So it is very difficult. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because these these gyms they really just want you to train clients and work them out and, and give them exercise plans. And I. I try my best to fit in, you know, little tidbits here and there during the training, but it can be very difficult because these people are sold an idea that I don't necessarily promote, and so I have to find a way to meet that for them while also, you know, doing what I think is right. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly, and I think that's really special because someone at that gym probably needs to hear exactly what you want to say, so you're changing their life for the better because they're getting your wisdom instead of somebody else's who's going to say and just promote, you know, change your body, change your body, which mm. I think is really, really important that you're there. There's a reason you're there right now. Even if it's not the most comfortable, I think that you are changing someone's mindset for the better when they could have had anyone else and gone a different path, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And I'm, I'm glad you say that because a lot of times I don't, I, I think that, but I don't feel that way. So it's good to kind of have someone else's opinion on, on that perspective of what I'm going through. So we're coming up on the hour here, but mm -hmm. I do have a quick fire round of questions for you. Okay. Before we do that, can you tell everyone where they can uh, connect with you online? Sure. So um, I'm actually in the process of getting my website uh, designed. So for now, I have a blog. It's uh, www.cchealth.wordpress.com. So that's where all of my information is the, the, the blog posts that I write and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of getting in contact with me, uh, I would just do it through email right now. So that's just cchealth 
1821 at gmail.com. So that's probably the best way to go about it right now. But pretty soon I'll have a website and, uh, and everything going on so you can you know, contact me there. Perfect. And I will make sure to have all of the links to your uh, blog and your email and everything on the show notes for this. And you can find that at maddiemoon.com slash mbm69. Okay, so on to the quick fire round. <laughs> all right, these are super quick answers, but you know, don't feel like you're stressed. Just whatever comes to your mind first. Okay. All right, number one, what does body freedom mean to you? Uh, body freedom means not worrying about going to the gym every day, <laughs> having to look a certain way to different people, and just feeling good and, and being happy. Current book that you're reading or just a book that you love? Oh, my favorite book of all time is Catching the Rye. Uh, that has nothing to do with health, but <laughs> it it literally got me uh, going on being able to feel comfortable just talking about me. Mm-hmm. Who is a huge inspiration to you, dead or alive? Huge inspiration. Um, Gabor Mate is probably one of my biggest uh, influence, the biggest person in my life that's influential because he sees things very similar to what I do. He sees things as a you know, society is, is being poisoned by a lot of the, the misconceptions out there. And he, he digs and tries to find the true meaning behind who we all are and, you know, our individuality. Uh, what's a good quote that you can share with us? Uh, what's a good quote? Dang, there's, I think the one that I s- said earlier, um, it speaks specifically to this podcast um, by uh, Eckhart Tolle that if you want to have a spiritual practice for a day, don't take your thoughts so seriously. And it kind of calms you down and realizes that not everything you think needs to be acted upon or is true or you, know, you don't have to identify with your thoughts. What's a future dream that you're working towards? Future dream? I want to own my own company that basically gets – I want to talk about this more with other people. I want to get the word out that you know I want to – start support groups, not necessarily the kind that you would think like AA or anything, but I want to have a company. I want to, it's going to be counterculture health and it's going to be more than just fitness and exercise. And I want to have, you know, uh, psychologists there. I mean, all, all these, you know, health life coaches. I want to have people that are, are seeing health from a holistic point of view where there's more than just what you eat and how you move. At the end of a long day, how do you de-stress? Oh, that's a very good question. It's unfortunately I don't do enough of that, uh, right, especially right now with trying to kind of form a business and work for a company, you know, twenty four seven. But um, one of the I, there's a show on Netflix called Friday Night Lights. Uh, me and my girlfriend watch it just about any time we can, and it's such a real show, and it kind of puts you in perspective that what you're going through, there's a lot of other people going through it, so it kind of makes you feel a part of something, and I at least it, it relieves stress for me. So. Oh, there's no shame there. I, I've i been watching this show called The Killing, if you've mm-hmm. seen that, um, for the past like week, and I'm on season three. So <laughs> that'll tell you how I've been de-stressing lately. <laughs> there you go. That's it. What is a country that you have visited and loved or a country that you want to visit? I've always had this idea in the back of my mind that Switzerland is like where I'm supposed to end up, either Switzerland or Sweden. And I think it's because when I was kind of like learning about health and everything, I learned how they like actually care about society. And in contrast to America, or at least, you know, part of the United States, um, it just seems so appealing. Uh, you know, it seems more like they care about people and there's more of a community there, whereas the United States is kind of like this capitalist, like, you know, first one there gets the reward versus like to take care of everyone. Mm, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Last question. What is the change you want to see in the world? Um, so if I could change one thing in the world and, I, and, and it could come to fruition. I think it would just be 
um, limiting frustration and stress, uh, frustration and stress. And that's and the reason why I say that is because you know learning about stress management and learning about and all these different things that I've kind of gone through uh, through my experiences is that most things boil down to uh, being stressed out. And however stress comes about you, whether it's financial stress or emotional stress or whatever it might be, um, if we just had more avenues for people to um, not worry about stress, I think it would it would dramatically decrease the amount of. Uh, problems and hate, especially hate that we have in the world, which kind of alludes to you know uh, self uh, uh, hatred towards ourselves, and you know especially when it comes to eating. And, and if we just were more accepting of different things, I think that the world would be a much better place. And I think it's very simple. If it's a very simple idea, but I think that because of all the things that are in place, it's it's kind of hard to implement and kind of hard to change. Absolutely. Shane, you are incredible. And I'm so glad that you were on this podcast. This is an episode that I'm actually really looking forward to to listening over and over again. So thank you for coming on and Uh sharing all of your wisdom and so many different avenues you covered that were so important. And I'm just I'm really grateful that you exist because the world the world needs more of what you're putting out into it. I appreciate your your compliment. That was awesome. I I you know I, I'm glad that you said that because a lot of times I don't get to talk to people in my same avenue of life. You know, even at the gym, and so being able to you know feel you know like what I was talking about, feel validated, feel like I'm support supported and and welcomed and 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 everything by that by somebody else is really awesome. So thank you. Definitely, and we'll have to have you on again sometime. That would be great. Um, so everyone, make sure that you head on over to the show notes for this, maddiemoon.com slash mbm69, and check out all of his links and read all the wonderful things that we covered in today's episode. And while you're there, make sure that you head over to uh, sign up for that free book I have on my site, 10 Proven Steps for Ending Any Ab- Diet Obsession. We'll see you next time. 